This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. All right, open your Bibles, church, Matthew chapter 4. We finished Matthew 3. We talked about baptism a few Sundays ago. And this Sunday, we're actually going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, the temptation of Jesus, or we're going to be talking about temptations. Uh, I'm going to title my message today, Say No. I'm going to title my message, Say No, all right? My first question to you guys is this. Has there anybody in this building that has ever been scammed before? Anybody? Anybody that's ever been scammed? Mitchell has been scammed. Okay, Jody's been scammed. Anybody else? You've been scammed. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Okay, you've been scammed. You've been scammed. You've been scammed. I've been scammed. Okay, total total honesty. Uh, My guards are up now. Scammers have understood now that they can actually scam people using the lust inside of our hearts now. It's crazy. It's weird. Uh, Quick announcement. Uh, If you want to scan that QR code, it will pull up our notes on the Bible app, okay? So, and that that QR code will be up there as well uh, during the the, the sermon as well if you want to pull it up. It's on your Bible app. Just open it up and you can follow along over there. Scammers, like I said, have now understood that they can actually scam people using the lust of the flesh. Like, they know that we are lustful people, that we are people that have uh, some crazy lustful passions inside of us. Why do I say this? Um, A very recent strategy that scam artists have been using is texting people on their cell phones. It looks very personal. Uh, And sometimes it starts with the word, hi. Very open-ended. It isn't a, hey, how's it going? It's a hi. They want you to respond. And nine out of ten times, I've been through this. This is not my first radio rodeo. It's not something that I just started seeing. I've seen this for a while. But a few weeks ago, I thought it would be funny to actually respond. So this is how my conversation went. So when they said hi, I don't even know who it is. I don't know who it is till today. They claimed that they were Amy, okay? Not our Amy. This is A-M-Y, okay? So somebody with a 732 number said hello. So I said hello. Said she said, oh, sorry, she, she was losing it. She said, hi, Amy. And I responded and said, hi, Susie. And then, and then they responded and said, I'm Lucy. So I said, hi, Lucy. <laughs> and then they said, is Lucy's friend? I don't know if that was a question mark, exclamation. I just went with whatever I thought. So I said, wow, okay? I'm being like troll level 100 right now, okay? So I said, wow. And you know what she says next or he says next? She says, encounter is fate. If you don't mind, we can make friends. Wow! That's all I was waiting for. Okay, somebody to message me because I needed friends. Okay, so encounter is fate. If you, if you don't mind. And this is what she sent me next. She sent me a picture. Or he, I don't know who this is. Okay, they sent me a picture and said, the next message said, this is me. So I responded, this is me. That's what I said. And guess what? They never responded after that. Can I get an amen? I'm giving you some tips, y'all. Have some fun sometimes. Okay? They probably blacklisted me from their call centers and from their scamming centers, and they ain't going to text me anymore. I know that for sure. 
But I say this very often. Well, I look like that, somewhat like that, with a beard and everything. And, and I decided during COVID that I wanted to do away with a beard. So uh, somebody saw, Basan saw me the other day and said, Pastor, you don't look like the Al-Qaeda anymore. So thank you for doing away with a beard and cleaning everything up. So thank you for that. It makes me feel so good uh, that I don't look like the Al-Qaeda anymore. But I say this very often, and I always stand by this. And I want you to write this down if you can. And it's this. You and I can have the greatest moment of your life destroyed by an untamed passion. You can have the greatest moment of your life destroyed by a second or a moment or a minute of untamed passion. Pastor Piper says it beautifully. He says, sin, lust, for example, gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it would make me happier. The power that temptation draws and temptation gets and temptation feeds from is the prospect that if I fall for it or if I lean into it and if I give into it, it will make me a very, very happy person. In Matthew chapter 4, we are very introduced to a very familiar passage now, probably, but you'll see it in other Gospels as well. In verse number 1, the Bible says this, follow with me. The Bible says, and Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want you to underline the word, then. It's going to be very important in our study this morning. Then, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights... He was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, and Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to them, all these I will give you, if you will fall down and you will worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. Some of us need to say that to the devil. Get thee behind. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Can we pray? Father God, would you speak to us through this word? Father Lord, we need you more than any any, any other time, God. We need you so dearly. We need you so deeply. We need to feel your love and your mercy and your grace. And today I pray that you will speak to us through this word today. Allow me to break this down the way you spoke to me, God. And I pray, God, that this will be relevant to every person that is in this room. And I pray that it will minister to every person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I want to make a statement. I want you to write this down. And this is a statement. You cannot avoid temptation, but you can overcome temptation. You cannot avoid temptation. The Christian 
cannot avoid temptation. It is inevitable. It will come knocking. It's going to pester you. It's going to bother you. It's going to get on your nerves. But the Christian has the assurance through the word of God that there is no temptation that God has not given the authority and the power to the Christian to overcome. Can I hear an amen? In verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Satan tempted. God did not tempt. His father did not tempt. The father allowed it, right? Jesus embraced it, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't God's, God's doing. It was God saying, you know what? This is a moment that needs to happen. I want to make a bold statement. God allows temptation. There are moments in your life that God will bring you to testing grounds, that will lead you into places Temptations are not demonically orchestrated, it's divinely initiated. They are moments that God creates for the Christian and the Christ believer to make you a better person, to make you a better Christian, to test your mettle, to test who you are, to test what you claim to be is what you are. It's so important that we understand this. A friend of mine was actually pondering about the, the, the sin in the Garden of Eden. And he said, man, why was the forbidden fruit in the middle of the garden where Adam and Eve was? Like, like why? Like, like, it, 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 he had this crazy question as to why God would put that in there and why God would allow them to be tempted by it. And his conclusion was that the, the tree was there and the fruit was there because God wanted them to eat it. Now, here's the thing that seems like a powerful idea. And it's more than just an interesting theological question. And all of us have something within our reach that looks good off limits, just like that. But whatever it is in your life, you may be tempted to believe, like my friend did. For, you know, that, that, that reason, it might look good, it might look convincing, it might, it might feel right. Or, or it's, been, it's been there so long, it's, you know, God put it there, God created it, then why wouldn't God want it to be there for us to embrace? Is it because God actually wants us to have it? These questions rage in our minds, and I'm pretty sure my friend had the same thing to ask. Why did God put it there if, they did not, if he did not want them to eat it? And there are so many things I don't know, but I think there are other reasons God allows temptation other, other than the fact that God wants you to have it. Okay? The reasons that are ultimately more satisfying than he must want this for me. He doesn't want this for you. God wants you to know that you can actually say no to temptation. Obeying every impulse is not freedom. It's not free will. Freedom is being able to say no to your impulses. That's living in the freedom of God. See, God gave Adam and Eve authority over temptation and authority over the serpent. And God gives you the same authority in Luke 10, 19. God reminds us and says, for I have given you, the Christian, the believer, authority over every power of the enemy. The enemy has the power to tempt you. The enemy has the power to lead you astray. Don't for a second think that the enemy has no power. But God gives you one up. He says, I give you the authority. Somebody say, authority. He gives you the authority. And, they, they never, and Adam and Eve never found out how powerful their authority was. And my question this morning is, will you? Because if you want to know the power of authority, 
If you want to know what your authority can do, learn to say no when temptation comes knocking at your door. There are two things that I want to talk about today. The first thing is this. Temptation breeds in loneliness. That's the first point that this passage teaches us. That temptation has an ability to grow and breed in the humidity of loneliness. If the enemy knows that he can get you alone, he knows the possibility of converting temptation into sin is so much more higher. I need us to understand this. The Bible says, and he was led into the wilderness, seeking that very opportune moment is when the devil comes knocking. See, temptation is not a sign of spiritual decline. On the contrary, temptation is a sign of spiritual growth. I'm going to say that again. Temptation is not a sign of spiritual decline or decay. Temptation, in fact, is a sign that you are growing and maturing as a Christian. Temptation is actually God looking at you and saying, I think that you're ready for, 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 for this test to come. Am I talking to somebody? Like when your kids go to school, on day one, the teacher doesn't throw a pop quiz at them. Prince, do you do that? We got to pray for you if you do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, <laughs> we don't, like, teachers don't do that. Teachers don't. Teachers teach you the lesson first. And then when the teacher knows that he's taught the lesson, or she's taught the lesson, and the kid is prepared, is when the test is released. Am I talking to somebody? Now, whether or not you're ready or not, that depends on you. Have you learned? Have you studied? Have you read the word? Have you, have you prayed it up? All the preparation that goes into the test is on your shoulders. But God says, I've taught you the lesson. You've gone through you, Sunday after Sunday. You've come and sat in these pews. You've gone to all the life groups and the community groups. And you've been to all the brunches and the lunches and the devos and the donuts and everything. Now I want to test if you just had the tacos and the donuts or you actually learned the devo and actually learned the Bible study. Am I talking to somebody? This is important. When the rubber meets the road, the, the test becomes a reality, but God doesn't just throw a curveball at you and says, ha, 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 no. He's not this cruel God. He's not a cruel teacher. And remember, when God leads you to that point, see, temptation is a sign of spiritual growth. It's a sign that you've, you've, you've been taught the lesson, and God's like, let me throw that ball at you. Let me see how you're going to handle this. Let me see how you're going to hit this. Let me see how much of wisdom you're going to use. Let me see how much of knowledge you're going to use. Let me see how much of discernment you're going to use. Let me see if you know how to use the word no. Hmm. I tell this to people all the time, people that accept Jesus for the first time and they go public with their faith and get baptized. I tell them this, man, when you go public with your faith, the enemy is going to come after you in private. I'm, I'm going to say that again. When you go public with your faith and when people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the enemy is going to do everything in his power to overcome that shame that he went through because he had dominion over your life and you just went public with your faith and he's going to come after you in private. You're like, Pastor, that's not really what I wanted to hear, Pastor. That, that doesn't sound really enticing for me to follow Jesus. I'm sorry, but the bed of roses is not what Jesus promises in the Bible. He says it's going to be hard. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. That's what the Bible says. But what we need to do is we need to know how to guard our hearts in temptation. What is temptation? Temptation is filling a, legitimately, a legitimate need in illegitimate ways. That's what it is. They're normal needs that we have. They're normal things that come up in our life. 
But in what ways are we tackling this? In what ways are we dealing with it day after day is the question that I want to ask us today. Temptation comes in various forms, in various ways, and, and today the question is, man, how are we going to deal with temptation when it comes knocking on our door? It's simple. Can I give you a, a short formula? It's very simple. When we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're lonely, and when we're bored, these are four personal struggles that people have, and when they, when they, they either defeat temptation or they fall into temptation. Can I give you the list again? Ask, ask yourself what you do when you are hungry, when you're tired, when you're lonely, or when you're bored. 99% of temptations that you and I go through come knocking in these four situations and scenarios. Hmm. I want to remind somebody this. We can follow Christ without suffering, but we cannot be like Christ without suffering. That is what, what, that's what God is asking us to do today is like, Christians are not people that just come to church on Sundays, but are, are people that, that strive to be Christ-like in everything that they do. See, temptation is one way we, be, we begin to identify with our suffering Savior. If Jesus went through it, what makes him Savior is that he has experienced what we will endure. And what makes us disciples and followers of Jesus Christ is what, what, that, that we will endure what he, what we, what he has already experienced. This is something that God wants you to understand. Since Jesus went through everything, man, we will go through those same things as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. We are guaranteed to go through everything that Jesus went through. When you said yes to Jesus, you volunteered for everything that Jesus said yes to. You volunteered for a Calvary moment. You volunteered for a Judas moment. You volunteered for a Lazarus moment where you will weep and cry and you will ask God, why is this happening to me? Like Alex said a moment ago. You volunteered and said yes to being falsely accused or to be ostracized or to be put down or to be, to, to be isolated and to be, to all those things came with that moment that you said yes to Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus, you volunteered to invite Peters into your life who will talk big but abandon you in, when, when the actual time comes knocking. You would have people who praise you and applauds you in one moment and they'll bring you down and tear you down the next. When you volunteer to be helpful and kind to people and they refuse to turn your back, they refuse and they turn their back around and they say, no, thank you. Those are moments that Jesus went through and Jesus endured and you will experience the same temptations that Jesus went through. Remember that. It's a lonely experience. And the tempter came to him in verse number three, the Bible says this, and the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I don't have time to go through all these three temptations and we're gonna break this, this message up into two parts over this week and next week. So you don't wanna miss next week, okay? But he catches it at his most vulnerable time. It's so important to understand the context. He catches Jesus hungry. He catches Jesus at his most gullible, like how many people know when you are vulnerable and you know that you need to pray extra in the presence of God? Am I talking to somebody? When you are super hungry, what doesn't 
feet. It was not appetizing at all. It's suddenly so tasty. Am I talking to someone? Like, have you ever been there? Like, you're super hungry, and you, like, eat anything, and you're like, this is the most amazing thing I have had all year. This is so good. And you tweet about, like, have you been there? But it's actually disgusting, but you were so hungry. You've never been there. I've always, like, that, that, that happens to me all the time. He looks at him and says, if you were the son of God, prove it. Now, I, I want us to understand context here. Are y'all ready for this? I want us to see verse number one. It's, I told you to underline this word. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word then is important. Okay, I want you to understand. Then, the word then is important because it's a temporal conjunction. That's what it is. It requires us to pause and ask what happens before and what happens after. Why is that word then used in the beginning of that passage? And this is why it's important because in chapter number three, we end in a hurrah moment. We end on a high where God appears, where God is looking down at his son Jesus and saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He's given him a seal. He's given him his approval. Everybody around has heard who Jesus is and how God the Father has revealed himself through his son and said, this is my son. Okay, so he has been acknowledged. He has been given the stamp of approval. And in chapter number four, the devil says, if you are the son of God. In chapter number three, Jesus has said, this is the son of God. And in chapter number four, the devil is like, if you are, oh. Mm. Again, let me break this down. The father shows up at the baptism and says, this is my son. Mm. The devil shows up in the wilderness and says, if you are the son. Remember that your sonship doesn't change in the wilderness or in the Jordan. It doesn't change. You are a son and daughter of the living God made in his image and in his likeness. No matter where, no matter what, no matter circumstances, no matter how much you've faltered, no matter how much you've failed. The same God that had tea with Adam and Eve before they sinned showed up in the garden a day later and said, hello, I'm here. Where are But what Satan is asking him is, do you truly believe what God has declared over you? That's, that's essentially what he, yeah, you heard what heaven said, but do you know that you are you? Like, do you know what God has said about you? Does, does this sound familiar? Like Garden of Eden, do not eat from this tree. God has said the word. Satan says, has God indeed said, you shall not eat from this tree? Did he really say that? No, he didn't. Am I talking to somebody? Temptation. Do you trust what God has spoken? Like, do you really believe that in this mess that you're in, in this pain and this suffering that you're going through, do you really, really believe that God allowed that? The enemy tries to test the word God has put and declared over your life because he wants to know if you know. Like, do you know? Do I know that I know that I know that I am a son and the daughter of the... This comes with 
relationship. It comes with intimacy. Like, do you know that he has not left you nor abandoned you, that he will never, ever forsake you? Though your mother may forget you, the Bible says he will never, ever leave me for the hair on my head is numbered. Even me. Literally. Oh, man, come on. Mm. But I want to remind somebody today, never let your wilderness tell you that you are not who you are because of your circumstance. Never let what you're going through cause you to doubt what God has declared over your life. Can I hear an amen? And Jesus responds and said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus responds and says, he says, you know, I, he, he quotes the word. He says, man, I need to know the word of God. God, Jesus declares that we need the word as much as we need food. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, man, he, I will not live by bread alone. It's not just the food, the earthly food. It's not just the, the bread that I eat, but I need the word of God to hold me in good stead. My word for you this morning is the way you fight temptation is when you embrace the word, when you dig deep into the word, when you surround yourself with the word, when you dig deeper and open your Bible and start reading. And when you don't understand, read again. When you don't understand again, read again. I'm telling you, press in. Start searching, start scanning, start going through the scriptures, go through it. Say, Lord, I want to go deeper in my relationship with you because when you have the word on your lips, the word is more powerful. Oh, come on. And then he doubled the two-edged sword. Come on, this is good. So Satan says, prove yourself. So temptation number one is this. The first temptation that you and I go through is this. I am what I do. The temptation that the enemy wants you to buy in is this temptation. It's a performance-based temptation. If you don't do, you're not. If you don't achieve, you're not. If you don't accomplish this and this and this, you're not. The question is, what have you achieved? Who are you? Like, what do you have in your name? What have you accomplished? Do you have a college degree? Like, why, why do you deserve this job? Like, why are you in the place you are in in the first place? But Jesus is like, man, I don't have to prove myself to you or anyone else. I don't need you to believe what is true about myself. Church, I want, I want us to understand this so deeply. No matter what the temptation is coming, knocking at our door, you don't need to prove anything to anybody, to anything. It's all in the I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Because the temptation is, is in this incessant need to prove yourself to others. It can mean the reposts or the likes or the double taps or the shares. Or in the buying, in the spending of the money, man. So many of us are in unhealthy debt, trying to buy things with money that we don't have to prove things to people that you don't need to. Hmm. And he's looking at him and saying, tell these stones to turn to bread. I don't need to prove anything to you, bro. I don't. Like, this has been the struggle of Jesus, and this is going to be the struggle of every Christian, remember? Like, Jesus did wonders, miracles, and people still asked him for what? Signs. She's like, bro, like, didn't you just see me raise the dead? Like, what? And that's going to be mankind. That's going to be a human understanding. And I, like, we're going to want more and more and more. And God's like, I don't need to prove myself to anybody. 
I am, I will be, and I, I, I am, I was, I, and I always will be God who will never be dethroned. I am Jehovah, I am God Almighty. He says, turn these stones into bread. Oh, no, sorry, he says, tell these stones to become bread. He doesn't say turn it. He says, tell it. He says, use your voice. You know why? Because your voice has power. God's voice had power. When Jesus spoke, things happened. Remember, Jesus spoke to that centurion's daughter. He was healed, just spoke. He said, I, you don't need to come. You just declare from here and he'll be healed. I have the faith, is what he said. Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves and, and, and people, disciples looked at him and said, what, what manner of man is this? <laughs> he looks at the dead man in the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And the man just rolls out of the tomb. Come on, somebody. The voice is powerful. Oh, that's only Jesus. No, no, no. Remember Moses in the wilderness? God looks at him and says, speak to the rock. There's power in your voice. You have the ability to transform situations in the wilderness where people are struggling. Now, here was the temptation. The temptation is use your voice to turn these stones into bread. You want me to use my voice to bless myself for something that I need. And the enemy is like, oh, I'll do that. Maybe, maybe your focus will be diverted to what you need. And Jesus is like, I didn't come for me. I came for the world. Don't divert me from my mission. Remember, any temptation that can divert you from what God wants to do in your life and through your life are temptations that you need to look at and say, get thee behind me. I need to go on. So temptation number one, I am what I do. So many of us struggle with identity, y'all. This constant need to grind and to succeed and to hustle. And many times our identity problems come with us trying to find our identity in wrong things. When we find identity in wrong things, man, we're setting ourselves up. And this often happens with success. Like if you have achieved a certain level of success in any field, it could be academics, it could be sports, it could be, you know, work, it could be a promotion. There's this greater amount of pressure to find identity in, in that degree that you have or in that job that you have or in that sport that you have. That thing that is working out for you. But remember, I'm reminding somebody, remember to acknowledge that God gave you the ability and he gets the glory. See, because when you find your identity in those things, man, those things, they only last as long as they're good. And it's, it's only as good as the last game that you played. It's only as good as the last promotion that you had. And it's only as good as the last relationship that worked out for you. Like, what are you putting your identity in? Because if you put your identity in stuff, when the stuff disappears and it goes away, there goes your identity. But when you know who you are and whose you are, you will not fall into a performance-based trap. It's not, I gotta keep grinding, I gotta keep performing, I gotta keep doing and doing and doing. It's about, Lord, I just wanna be in your presence, God. I just wanna do what you ask. And, and I wanna remind somebody this, at the foot of the cross, the ground is completely level. It doesn't matter how much you're performing. It doesn't matter how much you're stretching and reaching and attempting and, 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 and you know, grinding. It doesn't matter how much you are trying to achieve things in life. At the foot of the cross, everybody is at the same level. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 
I want to remind somebody that the, the, the floor is completely level. Every one of us go through the same struggles. We go through temptation. How many of y'all go through temptations in your life? Hands, hands up, hands up, hands up. Okay, 10 of y'all. Thank you. Thank you for being on. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way. Someone say every way. Every way. See, initially I argued with that. I had a problem with that because Justine, I was like, Jesus didn't have kids. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like Jesus did not want to choke his own, uh, you know, just, just kidding. I've never done that. Please don't judge me. Jesus didn't have Amazon Prime. Oh, everyone went quiet in here. Like it was praise God. Amen. Preach pastor, preach. Everyone went real quiet. Jesus didn't have Whataburger. Come on. He had bread and fish. Come on. There's only so much you can eat of that. Whoever said, I'm going to go to McDonald's to get a filet fish. What, what do you call that? Filet fish. No, nobody says that. Oh, I'm hating on you, Lisa. Sorry. Lisa was very offended. A majority of y'all say, I'm going to go get a patty melt. Come on. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like open 24 hours. Jesus didn't have to struggle with that. Fish. I love salmon. I'm just saying, you know. No, but the Bible says he dealt with everything. We talked about it in the first part of our message series that Jesus was human, just like you and me. I don't, I don't want to go over that again. You can catch up that message again on YouTube. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. There's nothing that is not common. This is what Jesus, God is saying. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability for what, what happens. But with the temptation, he will also provide, provide a way of escape that you may be able to what? Endure it. Like being content with who you are, being content with what God thinks I am. Because we, we, we fall for that temptation over and over again to try to prove to somebody, to try to prove to something, to try to prove to a job, to a manager, whoever the case may be, we try to prove over and over and over again. But I'm asking somebody, how many of you can decide to say no? It's simple. With that temptation for, I need approval, I need validation, I need somebody to give me a thumbs up, I need somebody to like my picture, I need somebody to share my picture, I need somebody to say good job, I need, I need, I need, I need. Look at Jesus and say, man, I'm content in what you tell me I am. I'm a son and daughter of the living God. Some of y'all need to put your guard up to temptation and say, not today, Satan. Not today, get thee behind me. You gotta say no, someone say no. You know, Mark Anthony, for those of y'all who are Shakespeare lovers, was one of the greatest orators in the history of Rome. He was a brilliant statesman and a courageous warrior. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up. He could have been, you know, the ruler of the known world, but historians say, but it was for one fatal flaw, one moral weakness. It was so bad for him that his childhood tutor once chided him and told him, oh Marcus, oh colossal child, able to conquer the world, but unable to resist a temptation. See, for many of us, the inability to resist the temptation is probably gonna be the source of our undoing. 
I'm going to repeat what I said when I first started the message. Do not destroy the plans that God has on your life, giving into a moment of seduction and a moment of pleasure. It's not worth it. That text is not worth it. Calling that person back is not worth it. Cheating on your exam is not worth it. Cheating on your taxes is not worth it. I'm, t- I'm, I'm talking to everybody over here. Taking the short route and going that, taking the shortcut at work just to finish your job, that's not worth it. I can go on and on and on, but I want you to understand how powerful temptation is. See, for so many of us, we get caught up in this whirlwind. We try to experiment. We try to play around with it. In this journey called life, we start like walking through life thinking that, ah man, one temptation here, one temptation there. But here's the thing. There's a graphic. Can you put that graphic up with the arrows in it? See, we we start at this point. Christians start at this point of forgiveness. This is where we are when we say yes to Jesus. We're forgiven. We're loved. See, from that point is where the enemy tries every single day. He said, the Bible talks about the devil. It talks about Satan and says, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. Am I talking to somebody? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a killer. He's there to destroy. He's, all of that is true about the enemy. His job is one, to draw you away. His job is to see the path that you are going on and offer you a wider path. To offer you a better path. To offer you a more pleasing path. To dangle something in front of you that you've never seen before. Oh, this person makes me feel a certain way that I've never felt before. I know I've been married for 10 years, but man, this feeling is a different feeling. Oh man, I, I haven't done the work that I need to do in order to achieve what I want to do, so let me take this shortcut. So that, that, that way seems a lot more plausible. It seems a lot more pleasing. It seems a lot more beautiful. So if he successfully draws you away from purpose, then is where your heart starts wanting that which you see in that road, in that path. Lust kicks in. The need for that. I'm not going to settle until I get that. The draw, the gravitational pull that lust has, don't take it lightly because when lust works, you're enticed. This is all in Romans. When lust works, you're enticed. When you're enticed, that's what leads to sin. It's not a, everybody that's a Christian is going to sin. There's a process. This just, don't just tell, when I come up to you and say, what happened, dude? What, like, what happened, sis? Don't just say it happened. It just doesn't happen. This has to happen before that happens. Can I tell you how it works? Watch this video with me. Okay, do you have that up? This is a beautiful depiction of you. You've probably watched this video before, but it's probably one of the most beautiful videos I've ever watched. And that's what you and I should be doing as Christians, because that's temptation. 
But guess what we do? The enemy brings it in our path again. So we stop. We look at it. We play around with it and then we say, let's see what this is all about. It looks pretty enticing. So lust will say, go for it. But in that moment that you give in, something amazing happens. It's a euphoric expression that you've never felt before. But it doesn't last long. That's why I said it's a temporary feeling. But you go back to your old self. But then you see it again and you're like, oh, I know how this made me feel last time. So it's not a poking, it's not a pronging, it's not a play, playful thing anymore. It's a, I'm going to go for it. I don't know if you noticed, but those nuggets start looking brighter and the world gets darker. And you think it's meant to be that way.
probably one of the most powerful videos I've ever watched in my life. How many of you are that Kiwi? I don't know if you are, but I am. Dude, you're a Kiwi. Like, you're a Kiwi. Like, you don't have, you're not supposed to fly. That's not how God made you. You have purpose. It's a Kiwi. You cannot fly. When you see that temptation, don't act like you're interested. It's easy. The first time, he got it right. Say no. Somebody say, say no. Stop flirting with it. Stop poking around. Stop experimenting. Stop saying, it's just once. Because it's never just once. That first slurp makes him fly. He feels like he's meant to be that way. Oh man, this is exactly how I was meant and made to be. Maybe he says something wrong with the normal me. That's what temptation does. That thing seems so innocent, yet attracted to this feeling of temptation. But this is exactly what happens when you get, it could be addictions. When that temptation leads to addiction, man, and if you don't react soon enough, your world starts getting darker. And the temptation starts getting brighter. And everything inside of you says, if you don't fall for it, you're not going to survive. I like the fact that that second one that, that lasted longer, but he hit the ground harder. You, you saw that one? How many of you have been there before in your life? I have. And it hurt real bad. But did you notice that in that journey, that bird was all by itself? It was a wilderness, man. See, temptation that leads to addiction is not a coincidence. It happens to isolated people who have no form of support and who constantly isolate themselves. And I'm, I'm reminding people today, do not isolate yourself from community, from people that need to pray for you, that need to hold you accountable. Stop running away from the body of Christ that needs to hold you accountable. But man, I love how at the end he was still moving. Despite of how hard it got, he never stopped. And to anyone struggling with temptation or if anybody that struggles with addiction over there, I want to remind you this. You are made in the image of God and He's given you the strength to keep going. So don't stop. You might be at the end of the road, but what I loved about that bird is that it just kept going and going and going and going. But the best part of that entire thing is was in that darkness he didn't actually slurp up that last nugget because when you get to the end of the road you know the power of hope and it's sort of like your choice do you want to continue in this cycle to get better or do you want to just end up in saying I'm going to get dark and dark and dark and then eventually stop moving and somebody is in that last 
place where you want to give up and you don't know where to go and God is reminding somebody today if I have not given up on you you dare not give up on yourself or on me God told me to tell somebody today that he loves you unconditionally and you have the ability like that bird even in the worst situation and the darkest situation to come to the point where you're frail you're 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 not able-bodied you're done you're withered you have no more strength left you still have the ability to say no and say I'm gonna start over and I can do it because God is on my side church will you stand up to your feet with me all over this place can I remind somebody today, every single time you say no to a small temptation, you gain the strength to say no to a bigger one. That's how you work out, y'all. That's how you work out those muscles of strength. That's how when every test comes knocking at your door. You know what the Bible, and we're going to talk about this later, but the Bible says, and Satan left him for an opportune time. When Messi was going to come back, it wasn't the last of it. You saying no once doesn't mean you've said no forever. You're going to have to say no and no and no and heck no. Sorry. Sometimes it has to be forceful. Sometimes it's got to be, I know you're not going to like this co-worker. I know you're not going to like this boyfriend. I know you're not going to like this girlfriend, but no. Every, op every temptation that you go through is an opportunity to either say yes to life or no to death. Every temptation that comes knocking. And my question today is what, what door have you left open? Because temptation often comes knocking on a door that's deliberately been left open. And what is it? And, and that's my question. Like, and it begins with this today. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.